One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, we're back. We got a hot podcast. We we took a journey through the magical land of Wisconsin, and we stayed uh, at a place called the Enchanted Barn. All that and more coming up on the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay. And this is my co-host, Hannah Hogan. Great to be back in the studio. Dusty Slay, good to see you. Yes, Hannah's back. Last week, we had Brian Bates fill in, and now Hannah is back. Yeah, and uh, enjoyed that episode with Brian Bates. Uh, he had a terrible story of bombing, and I, uh, I'm praying for his soul. Yeah, I mean, you know, he uh, yeah, he had a rough go at it. He did. And he said that, uh, you know, he followed it up with, like, the next week he had that uh, kid show that he ended up talking them out of making him go perform. Mm-hmm. So good for him. As comedians, we have to learn to not put ourselves in these situations because um, sometimes you can just see it. The writing is on the wall where you're like, this is not going to be good. This is not going to look good for me. It's not going to be good for my comedy. Yeah, sometimes some of the misery is just your self-inflicted self-hate for putting yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Now let's give a shout out to our sponsor, McBailey Candle Company. Beer, 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 beer. Uh, we got some candles coming. We got some candles on the way. We're excited about it. We're gonna because we burned ours up completely. Uh, we melted them completely down, and we enjoyed them. And now that we don't have them, uh, there's been a little something missing in our home, and it's that great scent that you get from a McBailey Candle Company. You got to trim that wick. You got to trim that wick, and uh, that is MAC. BaileyCandleCO.com. Go get yourself a candle. Now, let's. Now, our, our, I think our podcast is going to be a little different this time because basically the where we're going, where we've been segment is going to be uh, the full thing. I mean, we're going to mix it all in. We're not going anywhere this coming up weekend. Hannah's dad is on his. Hannah's dad is on his way into town right now. Uh, he's landing soon. This is. Tuesday in the morning, and he's getting here at 11 a.m., so we are not going anywhere this weekend, but we've been on a journey together, so this segment, where we've been, where we're going. Where they going, where they been, where they going, where where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. All right. Hey, that's still fun to me. That's still fun to me. And... So I'm going to go ahead and start with Hannah. I'm going to ha- let Hannah go because she didn't get to say where she had been last week, and she went on quite the journey. So Hannah, tell us a little bit about where you were at 
two weeks ago. Yeah, I had an amazing trip. I left on August 11th and I uh, did a run of shows up through Michigan. And uh, truth be told, I did three shows in a row at bowling alleys, three separate bowling alleys in different areas of Michigan. And uh, that was fun. Uh, I did a bunch of headlining in Michigan, which was also fun slash scary. Uh, a lot of people want to quickly move up to headliner. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I like that feature zone. I like that tight 30 minutes. And so when you do headlining, all of a sudden you feel a little bit more pressure no matter no matter the situation. But I had some really great shows. I sold a bunch of merch. I'd like to give a big shout out to uh, Howard City to uh, Muskegon, to Spring Lake, Michigan, and to uh, my friend Kirk Jorgensen in ooh, 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 uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, where I also did some shows. So that was a good time. And I, I want to say for, yeah, moving up, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to move up real fast. But this even scarier thing is you go from, you know, featuring at 30 minutes and suddenly now you're doing 45 and you're also having to close out the show. And then you go into some place and they go, hey, uh, can you do an hour? We're not going to have a host. Can you do an hour? And then it's like, just gets scarier and scarier. Yeah. But all right. So then you had Mich all those shows in Michigan. Then you went over to Chicago and did a couple of shows. Yeah. Uh, so instead of coming back down to Nashville, I thought I'd kick it for a little bit in Chicago. Check out that city. I don't go up there enough. And uh, I did some really fun shows. I was at the Comedy bar in Chicago. Um, shout out to Sahar for uh, throwing me on the show there. And that was an interesting show at the comedy bar. It's called uh, Tomato Tuesdays, where... It sounds terrible. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, uh, well, you know, the audience is given these foam tomatoes, sort of like foam little balls. And if they don't like your joke, they throw tomatoes at you. And who, whatever comic gets the least amount of tomatoes thrown at you wins. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the comedy bar, but I, I hate that idea. I hate it. Um, well, you know, it, it it did give me a little bit of PTSD. I, I thought I had a good set considering the situation, but uh, it definitely, like, you kind of go on stage a little bit weary. It's sort of like uh, you're coming out of the trenches in World War One, and you know that there's some mustard gas coming your way, and and quite a bit of mustard gas came my way, uh, despite the fact that I was making them laugh. Um, but so then you kind of get off stage and you're you just sort of I don't think it's ever a good thing to have things thrown at you when you're on stage for for the for the sanity of the performer. Yes. Yeah, I agree, too. And that when people start throwing stuff at me, I'm I'm walking off stage. Yeah, I'm not into it. Mm -hmm. All right. So then I go. I had my show last week uh, at Zany's uh, Grand Ole Comedy Show. It was great. We had a hot lineup. Uh, really fun show. Good crowd came out. Um, we had a charity organization. Uh, the Distinguished Black Gentleman uh, is what it was called. And I'm not I'm, be, I'm being totally honest. I'm not exactly sure what the charity is. But they bought a lot of tickets for the show. They came, and so I want to give them a shout-out, look them up. I think they do some good things. Someone had told me, I'm not good at remembering what people do. Uh, that's that's on me. But That's weird, because you actually have quite a photogenic memory. Well, I don't know about that. But the point is, I'm, you know, whenever I say uh, I am not good at remembering things, that's a good cover to say that, you know, I'm not being disrespectful to the organization oh. so that when you come in and say that, Oh, you remember everything else, <laughs> uh, 
uh, it ruins that cover. Oh, so I'm just sorry. just we'll roll with out. just roll with me. I'm oh, sorry, we've been away from each other for too long. We're uh, disconnected on this podcast. Yeah, just roll with me. All right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's my name? <laughs> so okay. the. Um, so then our journey begins. So I got on a plane and uh, on Thursday morning, and I flew up to meet Hannah in Wisconsin. No, you met me in Chicago. I met you in Chicago, and we got in the car, and we drove to the Enchanted Barn. We have some food places that we hit along the way, but we're going to save that for the food on the road segment. So are we just going into the shows right now then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we went into the Enchanted Barn, and... uh you know, you look at a title like that, you're like, okay, what do I got coming up in October? The Enchanted Barn in Wisconsin. That should be good. That's that's my sarcasm in my head, reading reading dates coming out. But it was great. Well, the thing, yeah, is that, you know, we booked three gigs, and two of them, there wasn't a hotel. They didn't even include a hotel, and it was like, I was like, oh, gosh. And they said, the Enchanted Barn is where they do some music and where they do a lot of weddings, but they've never done comedy. Also, not necessarily the things you want to hear. Oh, first comedy show ever. Um, but we got there and they do a lot of weddings and they have a wedding suite. Well, the night we were there, they had no wedding coming in. So they were like, you guys can just stay in the wedding suite. So then we got a place to stay. Uh, we, we, we sat around in the, in the, this, this bar of the enchanted barn. Now it's a dry township. So there was no alcohol, but we sat kind of in the bar area and drank kombucha and ate wood-fired pizza that they made right there on the spot and listened to the music of Jeff White uh, as he played. And then we went up to the bar itself, and it was, you know, older people, mostly older people, to the comedy room itself, mostly older people. And we were a little nervous about it. There actually was a uh, couple of gentlemen in the front with the red uh, Make America Great Again hats on, which is uh, something you don't see a lot in comedy shows. And I thought, will they like this comedy? And ended up being great. We had a great time. Uh, the shows were great. Everyone laughed. It was fun. And we did an hour and a half straight up. No host. Uh, now, Lauren Humphrey, who runs the Enchanted Barn, owns the Enchanted Barn. He he hosted a bit for us by by bringing Hannah up, but he didn't do any jokes really. It really was a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, resort spot. I mean, this is in the middle of the sticks in Wisconsin. We had to drive through several miles of just straight up farm fields till we arrived at this barn. And initially, it doesn't sort of look like much. It just looks like a barn off of a dirt road, but. As we walked in, it was just so pretty and serene. He has renovated this barn. He put in heated floors. Um, there was a, like a, what was that glass barn that he had? Is that what he calls it? The glass barn where you can just kind of sit and. Yeah, it's where they had the wood, the brick oven where they fired the pizza. Yeah. The walls were all glass around it. He said in the dead of winter, it snows and the snow piles up around it and you can sit inside warm and look at the snow that's piling up. Yeah, in fact, my initial reaction, now Dusty and I eloped, we got married, we eloped, and my my initial reaction was, uh, I, I want to get married in this barn. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, all the same problems that, that we would have faced trying to get our families together for a wedding uh, still exist, and probably even more difficult 
to go to the Enchanted Barn. I'm just trying to underline the fact that it was a really romantic place. It was a nice place. Yeah. It was a nice place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, so we had that good show, and then we hung out, we talked. A guy named Chris Cruz, uh, who's on The Voice right now, currently on The Voice, lives in that part of the country, lives in that town, which is Hillsdale, uh, Wisconsin. And he came to the show and uh, hung out. And then the next day, we went for breakfast, but we'll talk about all the food places. And then the next day, we went to Nezzy's in Cumberland, Wisconsin. Now, the great thing is, Nezzy's also was not giving us a hotel to stay in. But Lauren Humphrey at the Enchanted Barn was like, hey, I don't have anybody in here the next night either. So he let us stay at the Enchanted Barn two nights in a row. <laughs> but we went to Nezzy's, right? And Nezzy's sports bar... And we had some food. It was great. And then we went into the spot where they do the comedy. It was an old movie theater. And they had a couple of wireless mics. And I was like, and there was a few people already seated or seating in the, uh, whatever the word would be, sitting in the movie theater. And uh, I was like, well, can I sound check? And then I spoke into the mic. And I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but you can see this. This is me on stage sound checking. Uh, and you can't understand anything I say. So I spoke into it and the microphone, it was the worst sound I had ever heard out of a microphone. And the lady that runs the place, very nice. Uh, she gave me a look like, uh, okay, we good? <laughs> and I'm like, it worries me that you don't hear how bad this is. Even people in the audience were like, that sounds terrible. So we had to call the sound guy. Uh, he came uh, from his home to try to fix it. And it took about 10 to 15 minutes to get it fixed. And it just seemed like this is going to be a nightmare of a show. But the moment the mic was fixed, the audience applauded. Hannah started. Well, I I ended up taking over Dusty's shift as the mic checker. So I said, Dusty, get up off stage. Let me check this mic. Because he'd been up there sitting there for 15 minutes checking the mic, just saying, just sitting there aimlessly. And I thought, you know, this guy's the headliner. He shouldn't be up here doing this. So I got up on stage, started checking the mic. Within five, seven minutes, it's seemingly fixed. And then the owner of the place gives me the signal, like, go. So I just started performing after I'd already been on stage yeah. for about five minutes checking the mic. And I actually started my set sitting down on a stool because I was afraid if I moved, it was going to mess the mic up. And I'm not one of those cool guys that sits on a stool when he does stand up. You know, I'm not one of those cool dudes, but that was how I began my set that night. Yeah, I'm not one of those cool dudes either, but I sat down on that stool to sound check. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, because we were sound checking. And then we had uh, a really great show there. We did, again, it did an hour and a half. Of comedy there, and we had a great time. And we met uh, Jonna Lee Randall. Uh, she was at the show. She has a YouTube channel called Why Wait Productions, which uh, gets a lot of views. She enjoyed the show, and she also had a dog named Gizmo the Chihuahua, who she says is a uh, paid actor in Hollywood. So, yeah, so I mean, you never know who you're going to meet. I right? Mean, uh... We met quite a lot of people. I forgot another guy named Lauren uh, in. Um, Hillsdale, uh, he was a older kind of uh, kind of a Wisconsin uh, rednecky fellow. Uh, loved the guy. The guy uh, took us around on. The, we rode these side by sides and these four wheelers, and he had, you know, would have beers and and operate his chainsaw, and uh, and then he gave us uh, some whiskey that he made. Uh, some um, he calls it apple pie. I don't know if I even know if it's whiskey. It's 
Everclear, rum, cinnamon, and it smelled delicious. Hannah Aperitif. Had a, Hannah had some, and she really enjoyed it. It had a little kick to it. Um, yeah, and then that night, Chris Cruz that we met, he went over to um, uh, Minnesota to sing the national anthem for the uh, tim- basketball team, the Timberwolves. Yeah. Which is pretty pretty exciting. And then... Saturday night. And then Saturday morning, we woke up, and we had to leave the Enchanted Barn. Yeah. And it was snowing. It was little styrofoam pellets coming down. <laughs> styrofoam pellets. And we got in the car, and then we had a four-hour drive, and we actually went through quite a bit of snow Yeah, across Wisconsin. I was shocked. I mean, I don't normally see snow in the middle of October. Well, we drove all the way across, and we went up to... Um, Marinette, Wisconsin, to, and we had a hotel at Best Western, and that's also where the show was at. And we got there and we prejudged, you know, we thought the town looks okay, but it was small. Uh, we prejudged. We thought this is not going to be fun. We're tired. We've been staying at the Enchanted Barn for two days. Uh, it's been magical. And now here we are. And there was this hotel, uh, conference room. There was no stage and, the guy that bring, brought us up was a Navy guy. Apparently, there was a bunch of Navy guys were there because they were building a ship called the USS Wichita. So those guys were there staying on the ship and while they were building it. And one, so one of those guys brought us up on stage, and he had never done comedy before, was not a good MC. Like, in fact, how he brought Hannah up was like he was like he said both our names. And then told this one real short cheesy joke, and then he got he's like, "You ready? You guys ready?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. Actually, I got we got brought up like that twice this weekend because I feel like Lauren introduced like, "All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dusty and Hannah," as oh, if yeah. we were both going to come to the stage at the same time. Uh, he did do that. Yeah, so that's sort of what happened to us in Cumberland as well. And like, all right, Dusty and Hannah, come on up. It's like we're not a duo, right? You bring Hannah up first, but, anyway. But no one knew, no. and but that show was really fun too. That show was packed. Had a great time. We sold we sold shirts and CDs all weekend, and people were really into what we were doing, and and we just had a good time touring around Wisconsin. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I felt like we got a nice view. I mean, the summer's over, and then the summertime. What I've found in states like this, they don't do as much comedy because the summertime people want to be outside. So this was the first shows of the season, and um, it was great. I really enjoyed we it. We brought the heat to the winter. We brought the heat to the winter, and uh, and then so that's where we've been. We've been in Wisconsin, baby. Yeah, and where we're going? I mean, I don't know that we don't have anything this weekend, but like you know, I got upcoming shows. I'm going to be in Peoria, Illinois, the no- November eighth through the tenth at the jukebox. Uh, I got a November 21st. I'll be back at Zany's with the Grand Old Comedy Show. I think November 3rd, I'm going to be doing a show with Brian Bates at Zany's. Um, so we got several things coming up. I got to get my calendar updated, but there is some stuff on there. So check that out. And then I'd like to go for the uh, on, on the road. On the road. We're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends, and I'm still on the road again. Yeah. 
Let me tell you about people that we met on the road. I already listed all the single people, meaning the individuals that we met, but Lauren Humphrey took us around to meet the Amish. And I've been to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I've been to, um, you know, up up to where Notre Dame's at. What is that? Um, Fort Bend, Indiana. Uh, and uh, all around Indiana, a lot of Amish people. I've seen Amish people. I've been in Amish restaurants. I've seen them. But I never met them. And Lauren knows them. So we went around. We went to one. We met a guy and, uh, his, and met his family. And he was building a new house. And he had a store, and we went in the store, and I thought, well, the store must be closed today. But it turns out, well, the Amish just don't use electricity, and uh, which we all know, but you don't think about it when you walk into a store and there's no lights on in there. You're like, is he shut down today? And it's like, no, he just he never has lights in here. And we bought an apple pie, which we just finished off last night. Very good. Mm-hmm. And then we went from that guy, uh, and these cute had this cutest Amish kids. Yeah, I mean, I used to think that Asian babies are the cutest, but now I think a lot Amish babies. Yeah, and we got to we got to sit in one of those Amish carts. Uh, we got some pictures coming, but Lauren took a bunch of pictures of us that he has not yet sent us. So mm. I don't I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, <laughs> he just wants to keep pictures <laughs> of us. Yeah, and then we we drove on down and we went to. Uh, like where they build these log cabins. They build these cabins, uh, Amish-built cabins, and they were very nice. And we got to meet some people doing that. And then we went on down to a sawmill where we met a guy. And this is where me and Hannah noticed the build of the Amish men. The Amish bodies. I mean, there was this Hot one bodies. guy. We went in, and I noticed this guy's arms and his hands, right? Because we, we would go in, and this guy's got big glasses on, a terrible haircut, and he looks about as dorky as dorky is. But I was just noticing his arms. And I was like, geez, this dude. I mean, it's like this. And he, he says he was sanding a cutting board when we were in there. And there was another guy just continuously sawing wood the entire time we were there. And, and Lauren asked him how much he works a week. And he was like, about 60 hours a week. So this guy's just sanding cutting boards 60 hours a week. I mean, this guy had, I was like, I mean. I mean, they were lithe bodies, lean, mean, wood-cutting machines, baby. I mean, I noticed it right away. I was like, these Amish men have banging bodies. I mean, they talk about the swimmers' bodies. Let's get a little calendar of Amish men up in here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Amish are packing heat underneath that. Except the Amish people don't allow you to take pictures of them. Yeah, Yeah, so we didn't take any pictures, but I got some visuals in my head now. (laughs) I don't need a snap a pic. That's imprinted in my brain. And then the next place we went, we go to an Amish home where a lady has 10 kids. Her mom or sister or somebody has 18 kids. And we got to go into an Amish house. She was baking. She was baking on a wood stove. And we didn't, I mean, we didn't get invited in far. They weren't like, come on in, sit down. The rest of the family didn't come around to meet us. Um, there was a couple of kids just looking at us. One uh, little girl just smiled at us the whole time. She was having a good time. Uh, but they were very well behaved children. I mean, normally, you know, you see three year olds and they're running around and they're loud and they're. 
vacuous, but these children just sort of stared mm. at you like stoic adults. Yeah, because their minds are not poisoned by the TV, mm. and uh, I loved it. I, I loved seeing. I mean, like I would. I mean, I like a, like a, about like a half Amish lifestyle. You know mm. what I mean? Like. I don't want to go full on because I like the air conditioner and the and the heater and all that kind of stuff. And I like, you know, being able to record a podcast and drive a car and use my phone. And what computer. do you like about the Amish? I don't know. I just think that it's very simple and I just enjoy it. I mean, they're just they just hang out with each other in that house that we went to. It's like on one hand, it seems super boring in there. And on the other hand, it's like. This family just sits and enjoys each other's company. And this lady's baking all day, but she's baking not as a hassle. She's not like, oh, I got to do the baking today. Uh, she's baking because she's not going to be watching TV. She's not going to be watching YouTube videos. Uh, this is her thing she's doing today. And yeah. she seemed like a very happy lady. Well, Lauren asked her, where have you been? And she said, busy. Yeah. So they're finding things to do. Yeah, they have tons of, I mean, these guys were building cabins and they have, you know, I mean. Amazing bodies. Yeah, the cabins were really great too. And then yeah. they have a store and the first guy that owned the store, he was very nice. I liked him a lot. I would have liked to have hung with him and talk, but. Yeah. But. Yeah, I was really uh, captivated by uh, how enthralled you were, Dusty, by the Amish. You kind of continued to talk about the Amish and the impact that they had made on you. Well, I just, you know, it's like I had seen Amish people before and but I never really interacted with them and I loved it mm -hmm. I just thought it was such a good time I enjoyed seeing them yeah I always sort of felt like I didn't know what to say or do I sort of felt just even sinful being in their presence. A little bit. Yeah, I felt like that too. You know, you're like, am I allowed to smile? Can I make eye contact? Should I speak to the children or pretend like they don't exist? What's the what's the protocol of Amish? I didn't try to shake anyone's hand. Right. I definitely felt that way too. Yeah, I didn't want to touch anyone. Yeah, because uh, I think it's like a certain kind of Jew, Hasidic Jew. I remember when I was in uh, New York City, I didn't know this, but uh, they're not supposed to touch women or yeah. maybe look at women. And I went into a Hasidic Jew-ish uh, neighborhood and I went into this mattress store just cruising along checking out the neighborhood and I started shopping in this Hasidic Jew store, Jewish store and people were giving me really weird looks and the women were kind of shying away from me and I didn't understand why they were treating me this way and then later I found out that that's the case there you're not supposed to even talk to them or look at them and men are certainly not supposed to look at you or touch you I didn't, I didn't know any of that. I found out the hard way by, way by infiltrating their community, like a like a vermin, like some sort of uh, virus. And <laughs> so that kind of made me think of that when I was with the Amish. I thought, oh, man, I don't want to be disrespectful by existing. Well, yeah, I mean, especially on their land or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, you know, just feel like anytime I go into someone's home or, or, or business, you know, I should respect their rules, whatever that may be, you know. Out here in the real world, on the public lands, anything goes. But in, in someone's house, I like to give them their respect, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, they weren't – I didn't. I feel like because we were with Lauren, who knows them, who lives in the area, uh, it was all fine. But they weren't like, come on in, take a seat. Uh, they did strike me as, gen, gen, generally speaking, happy people. Right. 
They, they do. They greeted us with smiles. They were yeah. jovial. They're, they ha- they seemed souls. to have a seemed to have an insular humor that I didn't quite understand. But uh, yeah, and their souls are not being sucked away by their cell phones. Yeah. So, all right. So now the food on the road segment. I said food on the road. Food on the road. We went to when we left. When we when Hannah picked me up in Chicago, we just want to highlight a few places that we went to because so often uh, we do get to eat on the road and, and we'll either forget or so often we go and we just eat at chain places. So we got to actually experience a few things. So when uh, this is the only Illinois restaurant that we we highlighted because picked me up in Chicago, I picked I, I landed in Chicago. We drove up. We went to a place called Grandma's Family Restaurant in Belvedere, Illinois. Uh, found out it was a great place, and a lady there told us about this terrible murder and kidnapping that had happened in Wisconsin. And we were like, wow, that's a lot of bad news to to uh, tell us right here at the cash register. They were like, where are you guys headed? They're like, oh, we're going up to Hillsdale, Wisconsin. And they're like, you know, there was just a murder and kidnapping up there. And it's like, well, uh, if this were a movie, I would say that's foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And then... So, um, especially at grandma's restaurant, right? You want to feel safe at a place called grandma's restaurant. You don't want to, you know, be terrorized. Yeah. And then we went on up to, um, Hillsdale and then I did my joke where I, where I talk about kidnapping, uh, which is a light fun joke. I didn't realize it, but then after the show, we're having some kombucha and they're like, yeah, we're surprised that kidnapping joke went over as well as it did, seeing as how there's just been a kidnapping and a murder around here. So it turns out it was like just kind of in the town. They said five miles down the road. Right. They? So we're in this barn the first night. We're like trying to latch the barn <laughs> as many ways as possible. I was scared. Like, like we locked it so much that in the middle of the night, Hannah had to get up to go to the bathroom and we couldn't figure out. I, I broke the doorknob trying to get the. <laughs> I mean, I was able to fix it, but I pulled the door handle off trying to get the door open. If the murderer decided to take us in the enchanted barn, he would have had no problem because there's a lot of windows, just glass, kind of French door windows. Well, I, I mean, he would have gotten in, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he might have. He would have gotten in. He would have had a problem though. Come yeah. on now. And then, so the next day we went to this place called the Chetek Cafe. I don't know if that's exactly how you say it. C-H-E-T-E-K, Chetek Cafe. And I got a coffee mug. And we went with Chris Cruz and a few other people from the show, a lot of Lauren's cousins and whatnot. And uh, I had steak and eggs for 10 bucks. We had a delicious breakfast. It was delicious. Hannah had an omelet and a giant pancake. Yeah, I can't really do breakfast unless I get some sort of pancake along with it. Yeah. And but you know what, though? What I will say, highlight of that, best hash browns I've ever had. Delicious. Delicious hash browns. We had some compass kombucha, which was great. Best yeah. kombucha I've ever had. Yeah, wild rose was the flavor. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. We had that Amish apple pie. We also had the apple pie from Lauren, uh, the liquor. Mm-hmm. You did. I did not have it. And apparently every Friday in Wisconsin, they do a fish fry. It's all about frying fish on Fridays in Wisconsin. Throughout the entire state. Yeah, so I had uh, some fried fish. Delicious. I had it too. I had it at Nezzy's. Yeah. And it was it was great. Yeah, we had a meal before the show. Yeah. Uh, you got the fried fish, and I got it broiled because I'd been eating pretty bad, so I thought, oh, yeah. i got to get this broiled fish. And then on the way home, we stopped at a Jewish deli in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, oh, called yeah. uh, Benji's. Yeah. I had a Reuben, 
delicious. Yeah. I had some cabbage soup. Yeah. Also great. I had yeah. some of that too. Yeah. And grilled cheese. Yeah. We really found out hot. I mean, cause we were just kind of driving towards Milwaukee needing to get food on the road. You know, usually you get, you just choose a restaurant off of Google and you're like, well, let's fingers crossed this is going to be decent, but it almost feels like we found the spot in Milwaukee. Yeah. It was tasty. It was very good. I mean, we enjoyed it. We had such a good time. This trip, the trip was really great. We, we bounced around quite a bit and, um, and we just, we enjoyed it. I mean, and, and unless you have something to add, uh, this is going to lead us to the next segment, uh, the advice for comics segment. I have nothing to add. All right. You are what you are. I'm going to make them an offer again. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So in this segment, I just think I have a couple of things because someone emailed me yesterday uh, that I'd, I'd like to address. And I think we've addressed it on a podcast previously anyway, but we can we can go into it. Uh, but the first thing is I like to say, if you're going to be doing comedy out here on the road, just be ready for anything. Because we went from the Enchanted Barn to an old movie theater with a bad microphone to a hotel conference room with no stage standing on the floor in front of hundreds of people. You never know what situations you're going to find yourself in. I mean, if you're hitting the road, especially if you're doing these one-nighters, one show, even if you're working a club, each audience is different every night. So be ready for anything. That's why I think it's important to be pretty apolitical uh, when you're doing comedy because you never know what kind of situation you're going to find yourself in. You might find yourself performing in a barn with people sitting in the front row with Make America Great Again hats on. Right. And if, you know, if you come in with... Yeah, you might think, oh, I don't care. I'm a liberal. I'll stick it to the Make America. Will you if they're, you know, 60-year-old, nice, older people just looking to have a good time? Right, and you're and you're being paid by people. I mean, you know, this is, you know, no reflection on the, you know, political affiliation of the venue, but just people in the audience. I mean, you have to keep the audience happy. That's your job as an entertainer. And I just, so that's why I say, you know, even if you want to do political jokes, I mean, just be ready in a situation to not be it, you know, not have to do them, you know? Yeah. And I mean, with that gig in particular, no one said it had to be clean, but you know, I took one look at that audience and I'm like, this needs to be clean. Yeah. It felt like, I mean, it was an audience that appreciated when the jokes got a little edgier. I mean, they did yeah. appreciate it, but they, they didn't look like an audience that was going to be ready for super dirty stuff. Yeah. And then, but who knows, you know, but then the next night we're in that movie theater and, and had the uh, microphone situation, had we not experienced something like that in the past, I mean, that could have really shook us too, you know, but we've seen it. Yeah, the microphone went out in the middle of my set. Oh, the first night, yeah, it did. And then the second night, I mean, at the beginning, the microphone just, just wasn't working. We had wireless mics all weekend, which was weird. Uh, and then the third show, I mean, it wasn't uh, any problems with the microphone or the or the room other than no stage, but it was... Just a, it was kind of an uncomfortable situation. It was a big room, a lot of people, one table up front, very drunk, talking a lot. But we just had to navigate it. Yeah, especially when you're performing in front of small rural towns who don't have a comedy club, who don't have live comedy anywhere near them. They don't necessarily know even what they're getting into. They don't really know what a comedy show is going to be. They've maybe never went to one before. So... The venue is learning how to put on a show. The audience is learning how to watch a show. 
And if it's on a weekend, you got to imagine, I mean, how I felt on Saturday, I thought, you know, these people live in this small town. They just want to be getting drunk tonight. They got karaoke after this show. I karaoke mean, you know? was wild after yeah, the show. Yeah, so it's, you got to remember that they're just out to have their Saturday night. And so that what they think comedy is, you know, is maybe one thing. And then what you're providing for them is a different thing. So yes. you, you got to kind of find the balance together. Conversely, on on Thursday, it seemed like that audience needed it to be clean. Saturday, it seems like that audience wanted it to be dirty. Yeah. Uh, I am not that dirty. So, um, you know, but, you know, I, I've worked enough of rooms like that where I'm like, I'm trying to write clean jokes that will also appeal to an audience like that. Yeah. And I felt like it did. Uh-huh. I had uh-huh. a great set. You did have a great set. And I felt good. Yeah. And all right. So this is. So be ready for anything. And then someone emailed me yesterday uh, saying that they were looking to start an open mic and they wondered if I could address uh, how, how, if I had any advice on how to run an open mic. And I felt like this is a good opportunity for us to talk about this because I enjoy this. We've talked about producing your own show before. I know that. But let's talk a little bit about running your own open mic. From scratch, imagine that there's never been an open mic in this town before, and you're starting one. What should you do? What do you think? Uh, well, you got to find a venue. All right, the venue's found. Okay. Uh, well, you. I think. I think one of the important things I think that is pretty essential just to start off is you have to have a good relationship with the venue owner and make sure that they accept all the terms of how you want to present the show, which is you can't have televisions on in the face of the comedy show. Agreed. You should be finding a venue with a stage as opposed to just a flat ground at the same level as the comedians. Also agreed. And you know, the, the, the owner should give you money because that's going to give them incentive to promote the show and they're going to value your show. And it's also going to make you feel like you're valued and that your relationship is uh, a real business relationship instead of them just being like, yeah, I guess we'll put it on a Wednesday night. We don't have anyone coming here anyways. It's, you know, it starts off disrespectful if there's not some sort of money exchange. Agreed. This is what I think that you need a stage for sure. You need lighting. Uh, if like a bar, I used to run an open mic in. There was no lighting in there. I went to I went to uh, the guitar center. I bought a light and I put it in the ceiling, and I, I I had that because I could cut off the rest of the lights in the bar and just have this one light shining down on stage. Changed everything. It makes the focal point the stage. You turn off the TVs, have the light on the stage. Even if it's an open mic, some people have it in their minds that. Oh, uh, I, people used to tell me either it's an open mic or it's a show. It can't be both. And it absolutely can be both. The open mic can be a show and needs to be a show because you want people to be entertained. So stage light and then you need sound. Good sound is important. You can't have a rickety. If people in the back can't hear you doing comedy, they're going to tune out and then they're going to start talking to each other. And when they do, it's going to cause a huge distraction for you. And I think you're right about the amount of money that the, that the bar, the, the bar paying some kind of money because it gives them an incentive to promote the show and take the show seriously. If they take it seriously, that's the only way it's successful is if you, the, the person who runs the show 
and the venue are in it together to make it a success. If the venue is only half interested, then your show is, is less likely to be, um, be successful. In fact, the show that I used to run, there were certain bartenders. This, this bar that I would do, there would be only one bartender each night. And depending on who the bartender was, was depending on how well the show went. One person that worked there, she had a bunch of her friends that would come to the bar and just hang out with her, and then they would talk the entire time, and she wouldn't make them be quiet. Another guy that worked there, he would yell at people and make everyone be quiet, and when he was there, the show was great. When she was there, it wasn't. I liked both of them. I'm not, I wasn't mad at her, but when she was there, the show wasn't as good. I went to the owner of the bar and asked for that one guy. I was like, can I have him bartend during my shows and uh they listened and they and they took it and i used to get paid to do the show and and also uh anything else to add there Mm -mm. all right and then that's just part of the battle the other part is the comedian portion i think it's important to know the comics once you get to know the it may take a little a little while to know them but you know the comics you know their jokes you know what kind of reactions they're going to get and then you have people sign up on your list, and then you make the order. And you, you can't do it perfect. There's no way to know exactly how people are going to do from night to night, especially when they're trying out new jokes. But I always say, if you're the host, you want to start the show with five to ten minutes. If you're not very good at comedy, but you're the host, start with less time. And then put your strong one of your strongest comics in the room up first. That way you open the show up with, okay, the audience is like, all right, this is good. These comics are funny. And then maybe have another strong comic go second. That way it's like started bang, bang. If you're giving them five minutes apiece, now you've had 10 minutes of good, funny comedy. And then you can start throwing some, throw a weaker person in there. You know, so you have funny, funny, okay, and then throw another strong so you don't completely lose it. And then I would say put all your weaker comics towards the end. Because this is an open mic. This is not a show. In a show, you're building up to that last person. In an open mic, you're not building up to that. So put your weaker, dirtier comics towards the end. Unless, you know, dirty is relative. But I mean, when you run an open mic and you say you can say whatever you want, people get super filthy. So push those people to the back because that's when people are going to be the drunkest. They're going to be having the most amount of time. But I say take control of your order. Make people do a certain amount of time. If people are, if you have someone that comes out all the time and they're awful, give them two minutes. Say, you know, when you get better, we'll give you more time. But, you know, just got to be honest with people about how they're doing because the way that people get babied a lot at open mics and then they never get better because uh, no one's challenging them. No one's making them be better. It's a meritocracy at an open mic. Yeah. I don't know it, what that means, but merit, it's based on merit. Yes. So if you're good, you you get a spot that uh, is a good spot. You'll right. go in the top ten. You go up early. You get a longer time. If you continuously show up at mics and you are not prepared, you just do crowd work for four minutes, or you do taste tasteless jokes. You're gonna go on at the end when people are drunk and they're not gonna know the difference anyways. Right, and it and it's like you don't have to be mean to people about it, but it's like. It's like, hey, you know, you're not, you're new, you're not doing as well. Um, you know, I'm going to give you less time to not affect the show because what happens is they, people do things to, to favor the comics and in return, they end up losing the audience. So 
you know, you instead of being like, hey, you're not doing very well, you're afraid to hurt that comic's feelings, you end up ruining your, your own room. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, what I did, probably the most successful mic that I did was in Toronto. I did a show for a couple of years called Not My at this place called Not My Dog and and it was an open mic, but it was also booked. So I would book about 10 good comics. The show ran for like 2 2 and a half hours. Uh, I would book about 10 good comics, so they were guaranteed spots and they were guaranteed spots in the first, you know, 15 uh comedians. And then the rest of the spots were open to, you know, sign-ups. Um, so I knew that the show was going to have a certain level of quality comedy because I was booking these comedians, you know, and the comedians that I booked, it was up to them if they wanted to try new material or, you know, do their, do their act. Um, but either way, I considered them a certain grade of comedian that regardless if they did their act or they were just kind of trying out new stuff, I knew that they were professional enough to make it a quality performance one way or the other. Right. So that you're ensuring the quality of your show, because that's the thing about an open mic is if you're only drawing people that have been, been doing it for a little amount of time, you're, you're risking, uh, you know, not having a good show for, you know, several yeah. comedians. But if you book, you know, a couple of good comics and just say, Hey, could, this is a new mic of mine. Could you come out, do a little bit of time, you know, and just kind of, st- just set the bar of, of what the room can be. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and I used to have one of the same guys go up first every time at my open mic. It doesn't matter if it's the same person going up. You don't, you don't have to be like, Oh, you went up first last week. I'm going to put in somebody new. If that person is working it first, put them up first, make it happen. And also a lot, I've headlined so many open mics working the road where people will be like, Hey, I, I can't have a show. I don't have a show for you, but you can headline my open mic. I think that's fine. But if you're going to have people headline your open mic, don't have them go at the end of a two-hour open mic. In it, the comedy on state in Madison, Wisconsin, they do a great thing. They have two halves to their open mic. Their open mic runs about two hours, and then at the end of the first half is where they have their headliner. So, and they do like 10 minutes, you know, but it's like everybody does five. And then that la- and then at minute 50, you have a person come up and do 10 minutes and then you get into the second half. I think that's the way to do it. Like, yeah, you should always be looking out for your audience, not your comedians, because right. if the audience is happy, you're going to build a show. You know, I mean, Dusty, you've told me this before that you've annoyed some of the comedians back in Charleston, by the way, you ran your mic. You're probably going to do that, but that's only because comedians are so sensitive and so prideful that, I mean, you're probably going to ruffle a few feathers, you know, but if it's at, but if it's also benefiting your show, I mean, so be it. Right. Yeah. These comedians, a lot of these comedians were actually pretty mean to me. They would say spiteful things behind my back. And they, some of them even started showing up to my open mic and not doing comedy, just talking really loud in the back and would get mad when I would ask them to be quiet. So comedians can be super rude, but that's why it doesn't bother me because the people that want to get better at comedy will get better at comedy. And when they start to get better at comedy, they start to get better spots on shows. But there's this weird thing where people expect that just because they're hanging around a bunch that they should get on every show. And that's just not the case. You have to be good. Not everybody gets on the team, but the people that work hard do get on the team. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I just, 
Uh, I just, this idea that people have that, uh, uh, that, you know, people got mad at me. They were like, I don't know why you always put me up at the end. And I'm like, well, I told you why I told you why I put you up at the end. And it's because you're super dirty. You're loud. You yell into the microphone and I watch people every time you go on stage, leave the show. People walk out every time you're on stage. And I was like, if people are going to walk out during your set, I want them to walk out towards the end, you know? And one guy was so creepy on the mic, I would put him up dead last every time. I didn't want to him to not perform. I enjoyed him coming out because the comics always enjoyed his comedy because comics, we like the weird, weirdest stuff. So I enjoyed his comedy, but the audience hated it. And uh, so he would go up at the end. And that's just how it goes. If you want to get better spots, you got to, you know, do better at comedy. And I mean, so many people will pretend like, you know, they'll act like, oh, I just can't get better. And it's like, uh, but it's like, how hard are you working on it? How much time are you spending on your jokes? How much time are you spending writing them, saying them out loud to yourself? How many open mics are you really working it? You know, because if you're not spending any time writing your jokes, you're just coming out week after week with the same jokes, just saying them the same way every time then that's not working on the jokes. That's just repeating the same thing. Yeah, and also patience. I mean, everyone has different learning curves. It took me a long time to get to where I'm at with comedy. A long time. I mean, I was, I mean, I I came out of the gate with a pretty good delivery, but I was not good at writing jokes for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I also had a lot of help with people, uh, from people with writing jokes. I had a lot of friends that, that were willing to help me try to write jokes. And it, it was, and I still have people that will help me write jokes from time to time. I'm not opposed to getting help from people. If I have a, a joke idea that I can't quite figure out, I'll call a friend and I'll go, Hey, this is what I've been doing. It's been working. Okay. Do you have any thoughts? And a lot of times they will. So don't be afraid to reach out for help. And uh, I hope that answers the questions. Do you feel like that's a good uh, open mic how to run an open mic podcast? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I just realized that I have a, uh, this is Chirac's Hilly Acres. That is the custom built log cabins, hunting cabins, storage shed, doll houses, cottages, and more in Chatech, Wisconsin. That is the Amish uh, building company. Little talisman. They're closed on January 1st for Pentecost Monday, January 6th for Thanksgiving Day. Hmm. Good Friday. Oh, oh, no. These are all different. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I thought they had some special holidays, but turns out I was just reading it wrong. Hmm. So, But hey, hell of a delivery. <sighs> hell of a delivery. Well, I, I did. I mean, I, I, my very first comedy, very first time doing comedy I have on video. And my delivery was on point. Mm-hmm. Well, you got a great voice, Dustin. My jokes were, were, were lacking. but You have a voice to be coveted. Well, um, do you want to... We have Hannah's dad coming, and I'm about to go get a haircut, and uh, <laughs> we're trying to trying to lock it up here. Yeah. Do you have anything, Hannah, that, uh, that you'd like to say? I mean, it's great to be back in the studio, Dusty. I had a great time with you in Wisconsin at the Enchanted Barn and hanging out with you in the Amish. Yeah, I mean, what a time. What a great time. And um, 
I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, check my schedule. It's changing all the time. I got some new dates coming in. I got I got a bunch of hot shows coming. I'm going to be in uh, pe- at Penguins in November in Iowa, Penguins yeah. Comedy Club in Iowa. I'm also going to be back at Crackers in Indianapolis. I got a local show in Nashville coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. And uh, I also need to update my my website, but those are all be up there soon. Yeah, and do. Um you know, do go uh, uh, subscribe to our channels. I'm on YouTube at, at you know at Dusty Slay. I'm Facebook Dusty Slay at Dusty Slay on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, yeah, make sure you you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating. Yeah, give us write a five star nice. rating. Write write something nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, share. Tell your friends. Tell one of your friends about, it. especially if you're a comedian or you know someone that's starting out in comedy. Um, we're starting to, you know, refine our podcast a little bit. We've been doing it for a couple months now and we're, we're trying to, uh, key into the things that people are really responding to. And, and, uh, and we have a lot of questions from comedians. So yeah. keep bringing in those questions and, and we'll keep answering them. And any questions that you have, yeah, do send them and I'll, I'll, we'll try to get to them. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thank uh, you. This is, uh, I'm Dusty Slay. I'm Hannah Hogan. And we're having a good time. Yeah.